Oh, um, yeah, the muskox was good, too. Well, I know that it was just at, at the forums to decide it would be called the uh, Swamp Thing, which is fair. The Swamp Thing. Yeah. It's the C-4005 Swamp Thing. Okay, so this is the T-14 Assault Tank. I guess we're all here. Yes. I believe so, yeah. Hello. Hi. Internet viewers. Hello. Who's going to be viewing this thing anyways? be honest. Probably like 10 people. Well, ten those 10 people, people are in for, a, they're in for a wild ride. Oh, definitely. <laughs> okay, so what's the name of this podcast, guys? Do we even have a name? Uh, we're the Micro Machines Podcast. We don't. Yeah, I guess we are. are we? Well, now we're going macro. We are talking about real tanks. Yes. Oh, true. A very big tank today. Well, sort yeah, of big. This is the opposite of micro. Columbus, what are we looking at? We are looking at the T14 prototype heavy assault. This thing, not this thing. Yeah, no. Yeah. This guy. I've actually seen it in real life. Yeah. Oh, have you? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Tankfest 2019. Oh, that's right. You Where'd went to Bovington. Should tell us about that later. Yeah, yeah totally. Okay. T14. I'm in War Thunder right now. Yeah, same. Yeah, this is the kind of uh, production value you guys can expect. We're actually getting the armor penetration simulations all fired up. Um, hey, Ezra, what's your War Thunder <laughs> name? Uh, Donut. That's pretty much my name on everything. Okay, everybody watch this podcast. Add Donut on War Thunder. Yes. Send them a Golden <laughs> Eagles. Please, I need them. So, it's just Donut? No numbers or anything? Uh, Honestly, I haven't logged on in a while. Let me check. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Donut 2005. All right, there we go. Yeah, everyone, please at me. Yeah. We're doing our ads early on this podcast. Sure, why not? Okay, so, uh, yeah, I figured we're in this podcast, like, we're going to, we're going to cover, like, the, the hard factors of the tank. So the armor, you know, like, the armor it has, its armament, its mobility. But I think it's also worth talking before we get into all that, about what exactly we're looking at on this slide, why it exists, like the kind of the history behind it and why it was made. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I've watched the tank chat on this, so I can just go ahead. Um, so in the Second World War, there was this joint program between America and Britain to produce basically an assault tank. So, you know, the British would call it an infantry tank, uh, the Americans wouldn't call it that because they don't like that terminology, apparently. But basically, the idea was to create a sort of heavily armored tank that could support the infantry that didn't already exist. So, like, not an M4, not a, a Churchill, but something entirely new. And that could be used, basically, to support infantry, you know, when they were assaulting areas, say, for instance, you know, what happened in Italy, what happened in Normandy, this tank could support them. So it wouldn't be as fast as, say, a cruiser tank, but it would be, you know, it would also be faster than just an outright heavy tank. So, yeah, that's why it's, you know, people debate. It's some kinds, sometimes called a heavy tank, sometimes called an, uh, an assault tank. But I think the more accurate way of defining this is uh, an assault tank that basically can support the infantry, but it's also fast enough that it can push ahead of them. It's it's kind of like I guess a uh, World War Two analog of the main battle tank you could call it, because like in modern times you know they they support infantry but they also push ahead of them. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it seems like if I were an infantryman, I would use that as my mobile bunker. Well, like a good. Well, I guess speaking of mobile bunker, then we can talk about 
the uh, armor protection of it. So I am currently trying to find an 88 millimeter shell to use against it. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, the idea of the of this was an American design, right? So the Americans came up with the design. The British came up with a design, which was the A33 Excelsior. Um, the American idea was basically to take a lot. It was to take like the general idea of the M4 Sherman, but to slap a lot of armor plate on it. So, for instance, in the transmission cover at the front of this tank has a hundred millimeters of armor, and so I think cast steel. Yeah. Um, yeah, cast. Yeah, and then like the front. The uh, kind of the upper front armor plate is uh, fifty millimeters sloped at. Do you know what uh, angle it is? Uh, the upper hole. Yeah, like the front upper plate. Uh, yeah, sixty nine. Oh. sixty degrees, nice. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. sixty nine degrees, and at a thousand yards, penetration is not possible from a Tiger's eighty eight mil. Really? Damn. Really? Well, I guess yeah, fifty degrees sloped. Um. Yeah, but the idea was basically that this tank, because it was an assault tank that was supposed to be able to basically move with the infantry and soak up a lot of anti-tank fire, it was quite heavily armored, especially you know in comparison with, say, tanks like the early M4 Shermans or the M3s or the M5s. Um, so yeah, it had a lot more armor. It also had armor laid out a bit differently than, say, other tanks of the period. So one thing you'll note is it has these, they, they were called bazooka plates, but it's basically got these armored side skirts. And I'm not sure exactly how much armor it was, but it wasn't an insignificant amount. It could actually, if not, you know, stop you know, shells outright, it could definitely slow them down. It could rob them of a lot of their kinetic energy, which could help yeah. protect the uh, the suspension units, as well as, of course, you know, the ammunition store. Even a... Uh... Oh, sorry. Oh. I was going to say... Um... Yeah, so that's 60 degrees. You'd look, if you're looking at an anti-tank gun, which is, what, maybe half a meter off the ground firing up, you'd you'd have a lot of difficulty trying to get anything through that. You'd just be ricocheting everything. Yeah, at 1,000 yards, pretty much, you can't pin it uh, straight on. What about um, uh, a heat round? Because I know that the Germans began using heat rounds with their anti-tank guns later in the war to a limited extent. Can it still make its way through? Or is oh, it heat, the... you can do it. Heat, yeah. You can do it with heat, yeah. But yeah, heat was in such short yeah, supply. A, yeah, it's possible to turn. There's still some parts for like difficult with heat. Well, I imagine it would get crushed by the impact angle a lot of the time. So in terms of yeah, so in terms of armor, this has quite a bit more armor than say your your standard M4 Sherman, especially of the 1942 to 43 period, because development of this did start around. It really picked up around 1942. Um, so it, it was a lot more survivable than, say, what you might see in the you know the M4A1s and the M4A2s, um, which meant also it did have reduced mobility as a result of that. But it also had some survivability features. For instance, it had um, larger hatches at the on this tank than say what you might see at the time for say British Shermans, which had those small hatches, especially for the driver right. and co-driver. This had much larger hatches. I, I imagine that. You know, if the chieftain did his oh my oh bugger the tank is on fire test, he could probably get out of this considerably faster. So it had that, it had those features. On the whole, however, that was about it. It didn't really have anything else to protect it. There, there's nothing else that was you know particular to this as the assault tank. So no like uh, wet storage or anything. No, no, not that I know of. 
Oh, this is interesting. The crew was issued 600 rounds of 45 cal ammo. American tanks did that a lot, didn't they? They gave them like a whole bunch of small arms and said, yeah, fight on foot. Yeah. I wouldn't want a 1911, though, for to defend myself. Yeah. You just see one guy with one 1911, he's got like a whole big crate of, of 45 ammunition with him. Like, yeah, we, <laughs> we were only given one, one 1911 to defend the tank, but we were given all this ammunition. Right. He's having to um, individually load each round into the clip. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anyone got anything to say about what would happen if this tank gets hit? Would anything happen? Um, from a thousand yards? Yeah, from a thousand yards, it'll most likely bounce. Well, I mean, how far away would this likely get get shot at? Like, I'm trying to think because they were there were plans originally to deploy this um, in an invasion of Europe, and so like if this had been in Normandy, I mean, a lot of the time it would be True. shot by what point blank range? Yeah, from like uh, what like pack forties. Well, I'd imagine so. Yeah, because you know, 1944. The what was it? The majority of anti tank guns were either five or seven point five centimeters. Yeah, probably. And you had a whole lot of kids running around with holding Panzerfaust. Well, I was about to ask Columbus. You've actually seen this yeah. thing in real life. What's it like? You know, in, in comparison to say, you know, the person who's just standing around. Is it like a pretty? Is it you know a, a pretty large, slow moving target, or is it you know? Oh, it's fucking big, man. I'm, I mean, I sit at, I stand at, what, 6'3", and it's probably another two foot, three foot higher, I'd say, maybe. So, like, around here, basically, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, oh, it'd be an easy target to hit. More than so, a Columbus. Yeah, it's like a Columbus and uh, add a bit more, yeah. Okay, so, it's yeah. A Columbus yeah. and a bit high. All right, so from now on, what we're going to do when we're measuring the height of tanks is we're going to use uh, the unit of Columbi. So this is uh what I'd say probably like one point three columbi. Yeah. No, I'd maybe. call it that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. Okay. I mean it's okay, sitting, so it's sitting like slightly lower than that than the uh jumbo in the first slide, so those jumbos are bloody tall. Was it would this thing even be able to get up the beach? Like it looks like a monster. Well, I mean Honestly, it, it, it depends a lot on I, what the beach is made of, right? Because right. like in you know, Dieppe, for instance, you you've got the Churchill tanks, like, right? Yeah. Right. And the Churchills have like pretty nice tracks. Like they, those things are really made to tear up like soft ground. But the the beaches in Dieppe were made out of these basically these rocks, which were they, they were really rounded. Like they, there was nothing basically for the tracks to grab onto. They kept slipping, and that's why a lot of the Churchills basically ended up just beaching themselves. Like they they couldn't extricate themselves off that beachhead. The, I mean, the tracks on this you think about it, the the tracks are a bit different. Uh, Donut, these look almost like CDPs on, you know, in a way. They're like they've got that similar shape. Yeah, right. I mean, they have like a lot of contact. You could, I don't know, the power to weight decent. I mean, uh, Columbus, how did this thing haul around? Did, did you see like, did it, did it seem to have a tendency to be pretty agile? Or uh, they, they, when I saw it, they weren't. Um, it wasn't moving around. Oh, okay. It was. It was literally in like the back corner of the uh, conservation hangar. Oh, true. Yeah, they haven't moved it out there in a while. I bet. Oh God, no. No, that, no, so definitely you try to run that. Yeah, so I guess you know the composition of the beach is one thing, right? So like if you've got just sand, if you've got like really hard packed sand, like say we have here in Ontario around the lake, the sand is really, mm -hmm. in some places at least, you can like run around on it, and it's like running around on asphalt. So like in that yeah. scenario, 
you've got a really heavy tank that's just compressing the sand more, I think, yeah, it would be able to get around pretty well. But like, you know, you could get off the beach then. But like, if you're say in in Dieppe or anywhere around like more of that, you know, central French right. area, ooh, I don't know. Like, I, I, I have a feeling that sunk. It, it would probably struggle a bit. Well, that's why a lot yeah, of it does, track- Oh well, it doesn't also help. It doesn't help that the, uh, you know, the bogeys are terrible and the tracks keep oh, yeah. getting thrown. And you know, speak you know, speaking of mobility, I guess um, this thing threw its tracks all the time, like literally all the time. Um, you imagine that you've just survived a beach landing, somehow got it over the sand, and hey, guess what? Tracks are gone. No reason. It's kind of odd too. You and, the enemy tiger, you and the enemy tiger just replacing your tracks. Just like plinking rounds off of each other at two thousand meters, just changing your tracks. <laughs> yeah, and then you move forward to engage like another hundred meters. Both tracks get flung again. Yeah, a bogey just spontaneously snaps off. So, uh, what power plant did this tank use? I guess that's a good way to start off mobility. It used a Ford Gas V8. Um, and it could also later get a uh, Ford V12. Ah, so it was a Formula One car. Oh, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, basically. Just, you know, slightly less maneuverable. Lewis Hamilton in the driver's seat. <laughs> I'd pay to watch that. Yeah, get up to up first. V8 doesn't seem like too much for something like this. Yeah, it's a pretty heavy tank. Well, the gas was also like more powerful than the than the standard Ford V8. Is that correct? Uh, I'm not sure. It doesn't say. And for anyone wondering, we're using the Tank Museum uh, encyclopedia as source. Source. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're not very organized. No, nah, don't even worry about it. <laughs> if you wanted to know, you could have just read it yourself, but instead you chose to listen to us. Yeah. And that's where you went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, one thing that I was like, when I was just looking up on Google Images, you know, pictures to put in these slides, one thing that I kept noticing was that in a lot of ways, this tank has sort of a, a sort of a, an almost superficial resemblance to the M6 heavy tank, which was produced earlier on in, oh, I want to say, what was it, 1941? The prototypes for this came out? M6, hold on. M6. It was around 40 when the M6 was being tested. Yeah. It's a pity they never actually got it past because it's actually a pretty cool looking tank. Well, it has 76 too, so like it had that any tank capability. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, the, now correct me if I'm wrong, the, the tracks look to at least have some resemblance to those used by the M6. I'm not sure if they're like the exact same model, but they definitely use the same sort of overall design. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, they, do, they do look similar. They do look very similar. Right. Yeah. One thing that definitely. The M6 entrance is so much. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say the M6 engine is so much bigger. It's a radial, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, it's got like almost double the horse. Yeah, all I was going to say is that, like, you know, one thing that definitely does seem inherited from the M6 kind of directly is the fact that this has, I, I want to call it the copy paste suspension design. Where they take these vertical volume suspension units and say when you've got, say, like what, an M4, one of the early M4s, you just have one of these units and you get, you know, three of those for each track run. Well, because these are double length tracks, basically, you've got double of all the suspension components. So you can't really see it. You can kind of see it here. 
in this colored photo here, you've got your outboard suspension units, but you also have ones on the inside, and I don't think they're actually linked. Um, yeah, so they, they've basically just adopted these really wide tracks and do, to actually use these tracks, they've, instead of developing like purpose-built suspension units, they've just taken what they had for the M3s and the M4s and then multiplied them. Right. Yeah, and um, the T14 was also made to share a lot of parts with the M4. Well, it has more than a passing oh, yeah. resemblance, which makes me think, were they planning on like just mass-producing these like the M4s? That'd be, that would be weird to see. The Amer Americans during the Second World War, if they were going to make something, they were going to mass-produce it. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely not like the Germans, where you get like every 20th Tiger on the production line is somewhat different from the ones before it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a... Yeah. I could go into great detail about that, but... Well, T-34s in Russia, where every factory basically made their own variant of the T-34, they were so different. Well, they, right. were, they were doing that because they knew that, like, in the 21st century, Miniart would be making T-34 kits, so they figured, <laughs> yeah, we, let's, let's give them a hand here. <laughs> I wonder... I. What do you guys think? Is that myth about um, T-34s rolling off the factory and just straight into battle, still in their primer, real or not? Well, I mean, weren't some German tanks also shipped with some of their components still in the primer? I mean, maybe the, um, like, behind the running gear? I'm not sure. It doesn't seem, like, too far-fetched to, to think that, because I know that, what, there was the Stalingrad, uh, what was it, tractor plant, tractor factory? And they were producing yeah. tanks right. right up until the point that they got captured. Exactly. I was bringing that up just to piss off that one guy in Kitmaker. That was. Oh, we're getting cancelled. We're getting cancelled. There you go. Kitmaker's cancelled. <laughs> I had to bring it up. I'm oh, sorry. Oh. Look what you've done. Oh, the, end. <laughs> the last slide says, please don't cancel us. Hopefully that'll help. Uh, but yeah, Is I it? mean... It is true that some T-34s were shipped without driver's seats, so I don't think it's like too far-fetched to mm -hmm. say that that they would be shipped you know, still in their primer. I can see it happening. And I think I've seen the German ones still in their primer too, like a like a, I saw a picture of a 470 lag. Well, there's that whole meme about the whole red oxide primer. Like, you've got two trillion different paint colors dedicated to it. And the entire... True. Like, yeah. Yeah, it seems like, you know, ammo by MIG somehow survives solely off of their exports of <laughs> of uh, King Tiger 46s. Right. Honestly, I'm not a big fan of them, but... Now, one thing that I did read about this uh, tank was that even though it was really heavy, like it's significantly heavier than the M4s, off of which it's at least superficially based off, it seems, it still could go at a reasonably decent clip. I think something about what thirty kilometers an hour on roads. Yeah, about 20, 24 miles an hour. I think twenty-four miles an hour is. Yeah. The, yes. A little bit more than thirty uh, kilometers an hour. I mean, that's not yeah, terrible. Yeah, under says thirty-eight kilometers an hour. Yes, the uh, world's most uh, most informative and least biased <laughs> source of information on tanks, War Thunder. All right, of course. Yeah, here we go. Twenty-four this miles an hour, thirty-eight, thirty-eight. Thirty-eight's not terrible. Mm-mm. Thirty-eight's pretty good, especially for something like this. 
But yeah, it's like not even a Sherman where you've got, you know, the radial engine that's just kind of, you know, shoving that thing as quickly as possible. Like this is a pretty heavy object and it's got, you know, much, I, I would imagine it would have much better off-road mobility, at least in theory, since it's got much wider tracks so it can distribute its ground pressure a bit, right. a bit better. But yeah, I mean, I guess one segue kind of between armor protection and mobility is, you know, as I've said before, the, the uh, side skirts. And as I understand it, the original plan was never to include these. But the Americans were obviously like, this was a joint venture with the British, right? And the British right. liked their side skirts. So they put these on more or less as an afterthought. And they were armor plated. I mean, you can see in this image again about how thick they are. I'm sure that could stop a pack, you know, 37 round. Mm hmm. And basically what you've got is they, they, you know, they fold up, which allows you to actually work on the tracks and the suspension. But for In whatever theory. reason, as I said, you know, before this tank would throw its tracks and it did so repeatedly during testing in America. Why do you think that is? I was just going to ask that. Columbus, you've seen this thing. Why, why does it keep throwing its tracks? You're a resident expert. <laughs> oh dear, we're fucked. Um, <laughs> right. I'm going to just take a stab at it and probably say something to do with the double bogeys. Probably wrong, but that's that's my guess. And possibly the idle wheel on the back. Uh, is it the idle wheels on the back on this one, isn't it? Yeah. All right, I got... Okay, so the bogey wheels, especially um, on the outside, on the center set, were constantly badly damaged by the tracks when operating over cross-country terrain. In turn, the track guides were broken. So this thing just snapped its track guides? Yeah, pretty much. Ah, the uh, T14 track eater. Anyone know why they probably put the 75 mil as opposed to the 76 on it? Well, as they did with the Jumbo Sherman? Well, I'm glad you asked that. This is the one thing I kind of know a little bit about because I watched all the Chieftain's videos on this. Um, okay, so this was being developed around 1942, 1943, and at that time, the Americans had had some experiences where they realized, okay, the 76 is better, say like in North Africa, and then also in Italy as well. But at the time, because this was, it was probably going to be used in the invasion of, of Western Europe, and at the time, a lot of the thinking was that the 76 was not going to be as effective at supporting the infantry, because this was not meant really to necessarily fight tanks. It was more to support the infantry. The the 75mm M3 cannon, which is the same as we see here on this... Uh, is that an M43? I can't tell. Uh, is that the one on the first slide? No, it's a different one. One sec, I'll play in War Thunder. Oh, that um, one. Um, I got distracted. <laughs> uh, that one... I can't tell. That might be an A2. Yeah, it kind of looks like it, doesn't it? Because it's got one of the early turrets on it. Whatever. Anyways, this Sherman here, right? The idea with most of the original Shermans was that they have this uh, low-velocity M3 75mm gun. And the thing with that is that because it's low-velocity, in the shell, you can fit a basically the, the ratio of like shell 
you know, structural components of the shell to the warhead um, itself is going to be, you've got more warhead than say in the 76 millimeter round because the casing of the high velocity shell has to be thicker. So right. with a low velocity gun, basically you can get more bang. For you can jam blood. more. Exactly. Um, so that's why they mounted the M3 because this was intended to support infantry more so than fight tanks. Um, which meant that also, you know, it did have some anti-tank ability, but by 1944, the year that it actually arrived in Britain, that was all gone. It just didn't have a hope in hell at that point. No, and also I'd point out, like you know, you, you know, it has the early style commander's hatch. It doesn't actually have a cupola with with vision ports. It doesn't look like it has very good visibility. So even engaging mm -hmm. a tank in the first place would it would be pretty tough. And also it had two M1919 A4s and uh, an M2 caliber 50. Right. But, but I've never seen the caliber 50 mounted on this. It didn't work under. Well, that's but, oh yeah. 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 I wonder what it would have looked like if they had actually put um, an anti-tank gun on it. With a long-barreled 76 on it. I think it would have looked good. It would have definitely yeah. been yeah. more effective. Or a 17-pounder. There you go. Yeah, that's for all you. Um, I'm just just mounted sideways. It'll be fine. Or do what the uh, British did with the comet, where they just have a sawed off 17, 17 pounder. Sawed off. <laughs> oh no! It's a firefly, oh, yeah. but gangster. Seems legit. Yeah, you gotta put a one hundred five millimeter in this thing. Oh yeah. That's one thing I always wonder, like with these infantry tanks, why do they stick to stuff like six pounders and seventy fives? Why don't they just go ahead and put, you know, ninety five and one hundred five millimeter howitzers in them? Right, because it has to, you know, just for the infantry, so it's not like we're really fast. But this one also had to be fast. That's true. I guess it did have to, at least in theory, be able to fight tanks. I mean, if you're a German soldier on the on the wrong end of that cannon, a one hundred five and a seventy five. You're going to be thinking the same thing anyway. That's true. Nah. I mean, if my experience in War Thunder has ever actually like amounted to anything, it's that I do know the M3 can actually destroy uh, some German tanks, like the Panzer IV. Yep. It can actually cause some damage to them. I mean, if you hit them dead flat from the side or anything like that, you should, you should be alright. Yeah, I don't think this thing's getting around anybody's side, though, anytime soon. No. Just outrun the turret of a tiger slowly. Speaking of getting around the side of stuff, we should do an episode on the um, Churchill gun carrier. Oh, oh don't worry, that's that's going to be included. Don't worry, I've got that one sorted. <laughs> there we go. That's a great the there. Now I've just trapped myself, haven't I? <laughs> yep. All right, boys. Oh, the Churchill gun carrier now. War Thunder. We're going to see how this thing performs. <laughs> <laughs> You mean the uh, the Churchill game carrier? Just saying, you know. Nah, man, I've been killed way too many times with that thing. It's useless. But you look good doing it, so that's what... That is true. That is true. I mean, a lot didn't of people Squire, say it's ugly, but... Didn't Squire do a whole video on it saying how worthless it was? Don't you mean the best tank the British ever made? Ah, oh, yes. Yeah. Look at those angles. How could it be? Look at those angles. The box. And it's really, and it's really sad. The only one that was yeah. that's left is at Bovington, and it's like ninety nine percent rusted out. Dang. And it's just it's literally left behind a bloody building. 
I'm gonna wake up next oh. morning and see a news report of of Donut just walking there with uh, with an airbrush, and he's just like repainting the whole thing. Yeah, SCC fifteen. Get some weathering. Oh yeah, get some weathering in. Maybe some stowage oh, too. It's pretty mm, winded yeah. at the moment. I can tell you that. No, I mean no. It's um, it's weathered too heavily. It doesn't look realistic. Now it's got way too much rust. Right. Well, actually, guys, I've got a photo to prove to you that it is possible. Oh, let's see it. Well, I don't know. Just look it up on Google Earth. I don't know. That takes you. Fine. All right. Models. This is what we're all here to talk about. We don't know right. crap about. Oh models. yes. We can't do this. <laughs> no, but we know a lot about models. Okay. Mm. Anyone Michael take Sheen. a guess how many 35th scale kits exist of this tank? Absolutely none. Yeah, basically. Like, yeah. Probably like, well, no, that's a resin kit at the top, so. That's yeah. actually a uh, 50 millim. what is it, like 1 to 50 scale? You guys know like uh, Flames of War? I thought 15 mil was uh, 1 100 scale. No, uh, it was. it's 1 to 50 scale. It's like Strange. just a little bit smaller than 48th. Really? Huh. Yeah, it looks but, uh, very cartoonish. Oh yeah, all scale. of the world's... Yeah, uh, like, the, uh, all of the Flames of War stuff is pretty cartoonish. But, like, I don't know if you guys yeah. have played it. But, basically, yeah, it's like Dungeons and Dragons, but for World War II. That's, I guess, one way of looking at it. So they make a whole bunch of tank kits, and they do make one of these. It's like two parts. You get a turret and the hull. <laughs> But is injection molded plastic? Yeah, and honestly, um, most of the Flames of War kits aren't that bad. Like, their sexton looks really nice. Oh, yeah. And you can 3D print them, too. Right. Yeah, lots of hard CAD work right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, we got the uh, One Piece track special down here for all of you <laughs> ins aspiring 3D printers. It actually looks half decent, though. Yeah, you'd have to cover those tracks in mud, though. I mean, if you can calm oh. tracks. I mean, would you even be able to, like, add detail to these? I'm too new to 3D printing to tell. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're experienced enough with, like, Blender, I bet you could. Or you could just spend all your time making the Bob Sample. Oh. Oh, yeah. I'm, like, 50. I'm, like, I'm almost there. Columbus. I think, I think for the... Yeah. I think for the T14, though, we definitely need a uh, 35th scale scale kit of it, and I think Tamiya should totally do it. Oh, that would be right. Great. Yeah. Length and length tracks. Mm-hmm. Do you think, do you think Tamiya's crazy enough to do the T14? Well, I mean, they're running mm -hmm. out of World War II subjects to do at this point. True. Do they even want to do World War II subjects? Well, I mean, what's the... Have they done any modern tanks in like a while? No, not really. I'm trying to think when did their their Abrams and Leopard came out a long. The Leopard was like two thousand and nine something. I mean, it's yeah, like the, the the general shape is like so similar to a Sherman. You just probably have to just modify it a little bit, you know. Just a long Sherman. Yeah, basically, like a lot of stuff, you know, <laughs> like that the uh, commander's hatch and the. Mm -hmm. Whatever this thing is. What is that? 
fume extractor. Whatever you like, a lot of the, the, the a lot of the nibbly uh, bits you can replace. Right. Yeah. I mean, like with the double bogey system, you could honestly probably kit bash that yourself as well. I mean, I myself's got I've got like two bags of Sherman parts, and it's like ninety percent bogey uh, bogey assembly. So that, that, something right. like that wouldn't be too hard. It's just mainly the tracks. I think you'd have difficulty with. Well, Ezra, yeah, uh, you've made um, you, when you remember that that grizzly you did. Did you put CDPs on that? Oh okay. yeah, no, yeah, I did the uh, pro model, pro model CDP. Okay, how far off are CDPs from these tracks? Uh, like just eyeballing. Uh, okay, so CDP is honestly closer to a Panzer IV track. Mm. So you'd have a pretty hard time yeah. trying to convert these. But Fuel Model makes tracks for the M6, don't they? Mm-hmm. They do. I think they do. do. They? Is there even a model kit for a kit set for the M6? Oh, now I'm going to go on scale mates. Hold on. Looking at. Yeah, I've seen an M6 kit. I just forget who makes it. M6 135. Not that it would ever really matter for me, because something like that would never even make it to this bloody country, so... Yeah, I just want to pay, like, $200 for shipping. What even is, like, the the model situation over there? Like, do you guys have hobby stores, even? Yeah, yeah. They're... I mean, I think our last search, we got, like, something like 15 in Auckland alone, but most wow. of them are... Most of them are pretty empty at the moment. Not a lot of new, sh- new stuff's coming in, just because of our... COVID regulations and all that. A lot of uh, shipping containers aren't turning up, so yeah, like, there's just low stock at the moment. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't think um, Fruel does M6. I mean, uh, yeah, M6 tracks. I swear they did. Like, I, I, I'm going crazy now, because I, I remember I was browsing uh, the the website at work, and we had it was something M6. But yeah, uh, Dragon makes the M6, and it's got the tracks, so I bet you could even just take a lot of the parts from this, and mm-hmm. take some parts from the Sherman, and a lot of sheet styrene, and you could probably make it work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, or just 3D model it. You could do that. Okay, I have a sad story. My Grizzly, I tried stripping it down, and what I used to strip it down just melted it. What'd you use? I forget. It was a while ago. Some, like, paint stripper, I'm not sure. Luckily, I took the bogies off and the tracks, so they're fine. I'll just need to find a donor kit for the small hatch. Sure. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. The turret was resin with a metal barrel, so I think it's saved. That's not bad. You guys ever seen the uh, AK interactive paint stripper? And it's like on the bottle, it actually does have strippers on it. I, I remember I was eating lunch one time and I was looking at a bottle of it. My head put two and two together. I'm looking this up right now. Yeah, if yeah, you have one moment. Uh, AK interactive paint stripper. Okay. I, here, I'll put an image, pull up an image of this for anyone who's watching this on YouTube. Hopefully, I don't get. You know, hammered by the algorithm. Oh, it does. That's golden. Oh wow. my god, it does. <laughs> yeah, if you hold on, if you look 
just to the side here. You can just see it. Yeah. Now then, it's advertising. Oh. Yeah, AK Interactive knows who target target audience, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, paint strippers can be weird though. Like I know I, I've got the uh, Tamiya one. It's nasty, mm -hmm. man. It just melts stuff. Yeah, when it comes to that kind of stuff, I don't actually use branded stuff. Uh, my dad actually works in a uh, laboratory, so I just ask him, oh, do you have anything that will strip this paint? I've got three bottles of unidentified, can't tell what it is, but boy, it's good. I've got one that even um, completely melts acrylic paints. Damn. Does it make you high as a kite when you're doing it as well? Uh, maybe, a little bit. I forget to open a window. It's good stuff. <laughs> but yeah, so this stuff you like if they um if the airbrush gets clogged up with acrylic paint, literally just soak it in that and you watch the acrylic paint just turn into this gooey glob that you can pull out pull out of the um, oh, airbrush. Nice. It is amazing stuff, but geez, it's powerful. It's yeah. Don't know what the hell it is, but it's good. Yeah, that would be great, but I don't even use acrylics anymore. I try yeah. not a fan of them now. What are you guys what using? What do you use? Um, I'm using all the ammo paints. I really like them. Are those acrylic? Start... I think so, yeah. Okay. They thin with uh, X20A, so I'm guessing. Well, it uh, depends on what I'm doing. Like for, my, for all the base colors, I was actually given by same dad about 50 pots of... It's, um, it's actually roofing paint, not model hmm. paint but huh. um it's actually about so it's about three times more durable and it's and he's uh and it's properly formulated for airbrushes so it's so i use that as base and then i usually time your um enamels for detail work and oil paints that's usually that's, me yeah the enamels are pretty good or you could follow the um the advice of chris and do all your painting with those uh walmart craft paints those are good he gets amazing finishes. Yeah, if you want a good matte finish, go for the cheap Walmart paint. Insert Canon Dollar M. That or uh, Mission Moms. Yeah. They make really good matte finishes. And you don't have to thin them have, airbrushing. I have one bottle of Mission Moms paint. I have their desert paint. Okay. Yeah, they make really good... Uh, I know Olive Drab and Russian... Like the you know the modern Russian green you see on the T seventy twos, they they make like a whole bunch of different shades of it and it's pretty good stuff. I used it on That's the Firefly. Nice. What's everyone's current build at the moment? Like main focus because I know most of you probably have about five or six on the go. But what's your what's what's everyone's main focus right now? Right now, I've been I've been working on my turpets. Uh, Tamiya 1350th. And I just picked up some more stuff at Great Hobbies today. Oh, uh, I just shared a, a name, huh? Is that. Thanks, emotion? Jack. Now I'm getting fired. Nah, it's gay. Uh, <laughs> None of the no, views, we'll no of the views yeah. expressed by me or like anyone in this call represents like official Great Hobbies like policy or thoughts. I'm off the clock. Don't. Uh, just don't say that you are connected to them in any way, and we'll be fine. Dude, I think I just did. You <laughs> <laughs> just admitted. Not all okay. <laughs> Great store. You better. Uh, 
Yeah, it's a pretty nice store. Yeah, hopefully I go uh, up there. But yeah. Well, that'd be nice. But yeah, I've just been working on my turpits because I just finished my Chilean Martyr Diorama, and I'm thinking I'm going to work on an M5 next for the Great Canadian uh, campaign on Kitmaker. Uh, but I haven't started that yet. I've only I've only got the turpits right now. Uh, who's next? Yeah, and that wooden deck looks awesome that you're building for it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, explain what you did for like you know because most people just when they think of wooden decks, either you just paint the one molded onto the plastic, or you buy like those stickers off of eBay. Like, what are you doing with that? I bought two sheets of balsa wood uh, and I cut them to size. I traced them out on the older plastic deck because the deck comes in three parts. Uh, so I take them together and I trace it to the same shape. Uh, and then I just uh, scribed like wooden planks into it uh, just completely all the way down. Uh, so now I have this sheet of balsa that has planks in it, like scribed all the way down. And then I photocopied some, the deck comes in three parts. I photocopied each part of the plastic deck, uh, cut them out and taped them on top. Uh, so then I had a stencil where I could fill in each place. And then I started to cut out uh, parts from the plastic deck and put them in uh, where I had the markings from the stencil. So I'm just basically constructing like a whole brand new deck, whole new surface. Uh, and it's reinforced by polystyrene and some metal rods and everything so it doesn't cave in. But it's a big modification and I think it's going pretty well so far. Yeah, from the pictures you've posted, it looks great. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't fit the hull like, completely, but I think I could just fill that in with some like polyfill, like wood filler, mm -hmm. and yeah. it should be fine. Yeah, mix that with PVA, maybe. You can even get like uh, micro balloons. Mix that with PVA. Use that as well. Oh yeah, yeah. That's huh. Yeah, because and you then can I'll get, probably oh. You can get like a huge thing of micro balloons, and then you can just mm. mix it with the PVA, and you can actually then really adjust how thick the kind of like your makeshift putty is. What? Yeah. I'll have to look into that. Yeah. Huh, I have a ton of micro balloons. I try that out. Well, yeah. The thing with like micro balloons is that you can add a lot of, like, I don't know what you would call it, uh, consistency. You can you can really sure. yeah volume. Up. But if you want, you can actually make it so you like add some micro balloons to PVA, and then you add some water to it to make it like a really thin filler, almost like Mister Surfacer, mm -hmm. but you know, not Mister Surfacer. I need something ghetto, Mister Surfacer. Yeah. Yeah, I need something thick to fill in the cracks, but also strong so I can scribe 
some new flanks into it on the edge. Without it cracking. Yeah, without it cracking. Uh, yeah. And I think I'll paint it using just acrylics, probably a bit of deck tan. Maybe I'll do like a wash underneath so it, it absorbs like the darker paint. And you yeah. can see uh, lines of the in between the planks a lot better. Mm -hmm. Spray it with some deck tan. Yeah, that's what I've been considering. How about you guys? What have you been working on? Um, well, I have three main projects right now. I have my Shot Cal, my um, TKSP, and my Stug 3B. And all three are pretty much nearly done. But, yeah. That Shot Cal looks incredible. Thank you. Is that AFV Club? Um, yep. Yeah. yeah, I guess I would recommend it. The turret was terrible, but the lower hull was fun to build. Every single person who's been building a Centurion in that group build, uh, you know, apart from me, because I don't actually am not building a proper Centurion, like, mm -hmm. all of them, they're struggling so much with their mantlets and their turrets. I know. <laughs> I will admit, the resin mantlets they're using look beautiful, but just buy the AFV Club one. It'll save you a lot of trouble. But I guess the detail's not as good. How about you, Columbus? What are you working on? Uh, I've literally just finished an Airfix Bolt and Pull Defiant. Um, a wingy thingy. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that one was a lot of fun. A lot of fun to do. Video on YouTube now. <clears throat> yeah, anyway. I'm going to uh, link your <laughs> channel. Actually, you know what? I want to, you guys, um, let me know because I'll do in the. Uh, description of the youtube video i'm going to post like all of your current topics on kit maker and i'm also a uh, columbus going to link your uh, channel yeah sounds good. i'm going to end up with negative subscribers this is going to be good um so now now i'm just trying to decide i've i've got a 30 second scale sop with camel that i've been eyeing up but i've also got a tamiya type one self-propelled gun Ooh. Yeah, that one's been looking, been staring at me for a long time. So I'm at the moment I'm trying to flip a coin on which one I'm going to do start the, first because uh, they're both they're both going to end up as videos. So what's the uh, camel wingnut wing, wingnut wings kit or what? Nah, it's the academy one. I got it for thirty oh. bucks. And I thought, oh screw it, I'll give it a try. Never done a thirty second scale, so if it's a bit lacking on details and stuff, I'm not really too fussed about that. As, as somebody who builds almost exclusively 30-second scale for, like, the past, oh, wow, no, year, yeah, there's a lot of detail. It's basically, like, a tank kit, but with wings. Yeah, just looking at the uh, Academy, I think there's maybe three sprues? Never mind. <laughs> yeah, the, the, it's, a, it's pretty light, but for my style of things, uh, it's not too bad. I would like a wing nut. Uh, bloody aircraft, but over here they're selling for about somewhere between 150 and 200 bucks at the moment. There's a new, uh, yeah. there's a new company from New Zealand, uh, Qatari Models, isn't that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, I've heard about them. There's, um, yeah, I heard that on on the bench, yeah, uh, podcast. They were talking about them. They, I think they've got a load of uh, wingnut skies over there with them now. So 
That'd be interesting hmm. to see what they actually uh, put out. So Border buys the Wingnut molds, and Katari gets the Wingnut guys. Wingnuts is pretty like, much the demise of Wingnut Wings is like the demise of Avro Canada. Like all of the stuff is just coming <laughs> everywhere else. Right. Yeah. Didn't they find like an an ejector seat from an arrow in the UK? What? No. I think really? so. Let me. Yeah. Dang. Hey Jack, you want to go walk across the Atlantic Ocean to go and get that, go and uh, steal that seat? Oh yeah, we'll wait for another uh, big freeze and just walk across. Yeah. I mean, you've got like, well, the uh, Armor Regiment Museum or whatever it's called in Oshawa there. Yeah. Um, if you guys, anyone who's listening, if you're in the uh, Greater Toronto area, um. Stevenson Road in Oshawa, Ontario, has the Ontario Regiment Armor Museum. It is, I think, the it's I think the biggest collection of functioning military vehicles, at least you know of, of tanks in North America. Hmm. It, it's either the biggest or one of the biggest. Um, if you like, you know, Canadian stuff, we've got basically every leopard. Well, not we, but you know, they've got basically every leopard, minus the C two A one. They've got Lab three there now. They've got a T-55, uh, a BMP-1. Um, they've got all, I think they've got all the CVRTs as well as all of the AVGPs. They've got, I think, three chieftains there now, one of which is in Berlin, Berlin Brigade mm-hmm. colors. And nice. they've got a T-34. Um, that, that actually runs. And oh. two seven, I think it's two M4A2 E8 tanks, so like M4A2 tanks with the long barrel 76 and the, you know, the uh, horizontal volume suspension systems, as well as mm-hmm. an M3, an M3 Stewart, an M24 Chaffee, um, the T-Lav, which is basically a Canadian M113, which has an additional road wheel. Uh, Pretty much it's a stretch. 13, right? It's like an M113 limousine. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> They've got a Hetzer, they've got a Marlin, oh, yeah. and they've got a couple of uh, SDKF said two five ones, like the half tracks. Nice. Wait, actually, oh, oh yeah, they do. Yeah. And one of them has even got the uh, Pack thirty seven on it. Nice. And a Neltus. They've got Neltus. Ooh. Yeah. Got with with or without tow. Oh man, it, it, without tow, it's but it is one of the Bombardier Eltis. Eltai? Mm-hmm. Yeah, some, one day I'm going to have to make uh, an Eltis with a toe. Yes. You have a printer five. now. Go I do have a printer. Yes, yes I, I'll, I'll take the reference photos. They've got that. Ah. Uh, uh, do they have an M5? I, I know they have one in Ottawa. They've got one in Ottawa. I don't think they have one in Oshawa. I think it's just the M3. M3 is good enough. I'm, yeah, I need to go there. I still haven't been. Oh yeah, you gotta go. Um, also, I, an, I they've do. got an 88 that is being restored, Ooh. as well as a couple of Centurions and a whole like just a whole oh. whole crap ton of uh, CMP trucks, Universal carriers, all of, like the soft skins. They've got those as nice. well. Yeah, fun for the whole family. Go there, buy some kits. All right. I looked it up. 
2011, in 2011, there was a um, there was an Avro Aero seat in the UK that this guy was trying to sell on eBay for um, 250,000. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> for the seat. No more than. Yeah, just for the seat. Which, to be fair, looks cool. Though, it's just a Mark Baker. Limited edition Martin Baker. Yeah. He believes no more than 20 seats were built. It's got five. Count them. Five extra horsepower. <laughs> oh, crap. I guess, uh, yeah, I guess I'll talk about what I'm working on right now. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we'd uh, like to know. Um, I I don't know if you guys do cars. I do cars occasionally because I work in an environment where like gangster rap is playing continuously, um, which <laughs> tends to impact your your perception of these things. So I've got a uh, Prius from Fujimi, one twenty four scale, that I'm working on. Uh, the people in the forums are trying to convince me to put a uh, tow missile on it, which you should. Yes, uh, you totally should. Should you definitely should. Ah, screw it. Maybe I will. I for, those um, um, railings for... Uh, oh, yeah. Extra railings you could do roof. Other than that... Um, make a letter out of those, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, I'm working on... I like to call it the uh, poor man's BMPT. So I've got this... Uh, one of the new Tamiya KV-1s. And I built the hull up with the tracks and everything. And I've taken the CPU-2 anti-aircraft gun from Meng. They, they make a bunch of, like, anti-aircraft guns that you can put on technicals. And I basically just, like, blanked off the turret ring and slapped the anti-aircraft gun on top. It is a uh, crime against humanity. It, it should not exist, but... Yep, it looks very strange. I think I'm going to basically just use this as, like, weathering practice, because I've found a new technique to make rust. Which, uh, oh, cool. Yeah. Do share. Okay. To make yeah. rust, you're going to need three things. You're going to need vinegar. Doesn't matter what kind. Steel wool. Without, like, soap. Just, like, literally just steel wool itself. And oh. a jar. Like a mason jar. And these are all things you can get at, like, mm. a local dollar store, right? Right. So what you want to do is you want to go outside, uh -huh. put some steel wool in the jar, and then take vinegar and... Basically, just pour it into the jar and then cap it, right? Because, like, I think I don't know yet. I haven't smelled anything, but I think it can produce like some pretty nasty fumes. Right. Uh, definitely don't add bleach, but yeah. Basically, what it does is the vinegar helps oxidize the steel wool, and after mm. like, a day or so, what you get is rust. It's, it's quite literally just rust. And so then you yeah. can like drain all the vinegar from it and then turn it into say like a dried up pigment. You can use it like that. You can keep like, you can add water to it to make it into a wash. Um, you could probably add mineral spirits to it to make it into a more of like an enamel wash. Um, yeah. But it, when it, once it's dried, it is literally just a rust deposit. So like, that's a really good way of, of, you know, just adding, you know, more realistic rust. I mean, you probably mm -hmm. still want to use like the uh, the washes and stuff if you've got them, but it's a good base, especially for larger areas. That, that's a pretty mm -hmm. good idea. Last that's time cheap. I did any, last time I did any rust effects, it was on my 
SMK. I decided to make it fairly rusty. And I spent about, what, four days with, with oil paints doing rust everywhere. Mm. After which I hated myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it turned out looking really good, but. You're essentially just pickling steel wool. Basically, yeah, you're pickling steel wool. And the great thing Hmm. is, like, if you go to the the dollar store, you get a mason jar, that's like a dollar. You get a liter of vinegar, which is, you know, about buck fifty. And then you get, like, some steel wool. Yeah, I I mean, most houses already have it, so, like, you can do it even for free. And. I mean, you can't really beat the real thing. I know AK, no, no. AK, um, ammo. Ammo? Actually, yeah. They're coming out with, like, a set that is basically corrosion effects, and I think they're using the same idea. Yeah, the ammo factory is just pretty much what you said, but multiply that by, like, 100. Yeah. Just a bunch of guys dipping steel wool in jars. <laughs> just some dudes. Okay. Well. Um, that was well, the T14 tank. Right? Uh, what did, did we what, actually learn anything? Uh, we learned how to make rust. Yes, we learned how no to make No comment rust. on the actual vehicle. <laughs> the actual vehicle, thunder. not a lot. <laughs> eh, fat Sherman, goes slow, eats bullet, same thing. Rose yeah. We learned that they don't make models of this, and it would be hard to make one yourself. So, yep. You think if Maybe we just like, you think if we just email bombed uh, Mr. Tamia like enough times, he'll just get sick of it and make it just to shut us up? Well, I could just sacrifice Ezra right now to him. Like, don't even worry about it. I, <laughs> that's a noble cause. I would go. I'd go willingly. Just walk. <laughs> just walk to the states. Yeah. Uh, I'd I'd take a Tamia E50 over a T14. I mean, I'd t- I'll take a Mark One Churchill over the T14. I think I'd take a legitimate Grizzly kit over a T14. Oh yeah, I think I would take a, oh. I take like a proper Leopard uh, to a six M can kit with like the Barracuda. Yes. Imagine right. Tamiya making a two a two a six M. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, we're at the point. The podcast where I almost wonder if it's worth now discussing current events. Um, Russian helicopters go boom. Ukrainian tractors go grr. I don't know. Who wants to talk about the uh, what's it called? The T seventy twos that we've seen. Yes. All right. Hold on. Let me get let me get us all canceled real quick. Okay. Already says please don't cancel us. I don't. We can't ask nicely. It's just going to happen. Yeah. Canceled on day one. Yeah, day one. They don't want us on the internet anymore. I would admit, I do like the um, the roof armor on those T-72s we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty cool. It's like, um, it's kind of like uh, those rain shelters at your elementary school. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. See, those, those roofs are just making my case for the solid shot javelin, you know. Enough with the heat, solid shot. Yes. You just end up with this giant missile just stuck right in the roof. No explosions, just that'll do. Some poor Russian private just eyeing it nervously. Oh, God. Comrade? All right, we fixed it. We fixed the uh, cup cage. <laughs> oh, perfect. Oh, no. 
<laughs> it was hastily drawn, so we know it's the best. <laughs> this, this right here, the height of Soviet design technology. Look at that thing. Crater. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the guys will attest that I wrote, like, what was it, five paragraphs about this thing? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I could see a future episode on this in the I th- future. I think we're going to have to do, like, a whole series on the kind of crap we're oh, seeing yeah. right now. Yes. Oh, yeah. Get yeah. the cocaine segment. Get the uh, ERA segment. Yeah. I would. I would do anything to hear a um, well, there's your problem, hell of a way to die bonus episode on this. Oh, we're getting it. Oh, yeah. Don't you worry. We're getting it. Yeah. See, though, the things Fine. we're going to have to bring up them. Right. Seize the initiative, guys. That's just like a giant force field net thing. It's basically uh, the Star Wars program from the 80s, but for a tank. Yeah, see, look, solid shot. Just go right through that. I'm, that's it. I'm, a, I'm dying on that hill. Solid shot. The APFSDS javelin. Yes, I will die on that hill. I mean, I, I guarantee you, like, if this continues to go on, at some point we will see a tank with two cages. Like, one on top of the yes. other. I guarantee it. One on top of the other? You think that's how they're going to do? Well, I mean, like, the whole idea is that they're trying to, you know, prematurely activate the Detonate. warhead. Right. But it's a tandem charge warhead, so, like... I mean, yeah, you can get one out, but then it still goes through. Mm-hmm. And then you'll just end up seeing triple-charged javelins and then see how many layers we can get before it ends. Right. Yeah, they just keep adding more and more cages. You end up with this. Yeah, the peak of military engineering. This is where we're headed, and Miniart is going to make a kit out of this. Yes. We're going to have to like single-handedly 100%. drive. We're going to have to take all the... Uh, volunteered armored vehicles from Britain just drive through Ukraine to Kiev to get the mini art molds back in the back into uh back under work. Production. Yeah. 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 The great mini art campaign. <laughs> People just watching us just like drive by thinking they're liberated now. We're just driving straight to the mini art factory. Don't even worry. Yep. Capitalism at its finest right here. I mean, looking at this picture, all it seems like all we've really done is just turn a T-55 into a Droidica from the terrible Star Wars uh, prequels. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at some yeah. point, some po- someone's going to like come out with the Cope Cage in 35th scale. Mm-hmm. We're going to oh, have yeah. to do and it first. Uh, I wouldn't uh, put in all the... like You're going to have to do it like little segments individually gluing everything in. I think you can almost guarantee someone's got their uh, resin printer up and running and they'd stand to design them. Guaranteed someone. I mean, and that person I'm looking me. at this I'm looking at this right now. It doesn't seem hard to do. Just It's just I'm, a bunch I'm of bars. Exactly. It seems tedious. It just seems annoying. Although I think You could probably print it as one piece. You could print it as one piece, but I think like you might be have out of scale thickness. Because as mm. I remember seeing, these are not like, it's not armor plate, right? This is just just some steel. Like, they just got some scrap steel. Okay. Some steel sheeting. But it, I mean, but it's um, it's thicker than, like, slat armor, right? Uh, I don't believe so. Oh. This stuff is not, like, high grade. It's Actually, not- you know what? I'm going to get an actual photo. I'll see if I can paste one in. Uh, and maybe we're confusing everyone with this. Oh. Ah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So here, let me get the laser pointer up and running. So as you can see, like it's not something that they've like put into like it's not like a, you know an actual field modification kit that got delivered to the tank units. It's just a you know them building pipes it and some slats. I mean, it looks like these are kind of like triangular. You know, they're V-shaped bars, but yeah. I don't count that to stop a javelin, which is you know weighs what, fifteen kilos or something like that. Probably lighter, but yeah. it's going at what hundred oh, yeah, kilometers that. an hour. Nah, it's an IKEA bed frame. That's what it looks like they're using it for. <laughs> yeah, literally. <sighs> no, it's the, the modern day bed frame T thirty four. The Swedes are What's sweating. What's the point? Aesthetics. Know, one thing I've always wondered, like they, you know, the way that they're building it, they assume the missile's going to come directly down. What mm -hmm. if it just gets launched at an oblique angle? Then what? Nothing. Just hope your ERA will stop it. Yeah, I guess so. We're going to get some really interesting dioramas from this, if nothing else. Oh, yeah. That's why they're oh. doing it. They're, they're like, hey, modelers, look at this. Putin's playing 5D chess. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're saying to everyone, Putin did you is... know you, you can make dioramas of T-72s that aren't in a desert? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, to be completely honest, I thought the Russians had phased out the T seventy two. Nah, man. Yeah, me too. Until I saw this, they literally <laughs> just keep slapping ERA bricks on it. Ah. Uh, Eventually, you're just going to see one giant ERA brick just rolling down the road with a barrel. Well, I mean, that's basically <laughs> what a lot of the uh, original T eighty U's looked like. It was because of the way that the, T the ERA. I mean. Come on, this Leopard C2A1, that's not really ERA, but it is still modular armor. And that's just one big armor armor brick. Right, or what armor about the uh, the Challenger 2s? Oh, the yeah. Armor, um, with a C. Yeah, I, I think this is a T72. I can't tell, though. It might be a T90. don't think so. I've just found huh. that photo on images, and it says T90A. Yeah, the, the turret doesn't really look mm. like a T72's mm -hmm. turret. It shows you like how little has changed because like the T ninety from the side is almost indistinguishable from the original T seventy two M one. I have a T ninety that's like eighty percent built up. I might finish it and and scratch build that armor on the top for it. It would be pretty easy. I mean, all you gotta do is basically just get some you know like photo wedge cut into strips. Yeah, and then boom. Wait, who uh, do you have this Vesta kit? Oh, uh, Meng. Oh, oh, how was that? Oh. Uh, really over-engineered. The turret took, like, six or seven hours. Jeez. Jeez. Probably more engineered than the actual tank. <laughs> you laugh, but maybe. <laughs> Have you seen the videos of all the Ukrainians taking inside the uh, Russian tanks and stuff they've, um, they've captured? No. Yeah, they've uh, been taking, they've been posting videos of what they look like inside, and they, uh, yeah, it looks like something from, like, in the 70s. It's just all, they're all beaten up inside, and yeah. Mm -hmm. They look like I they've been used for like, yeah, way too long. This well, might be definitely. a horrible thing to say, but the Ukrainian defense Instagram page is probably I've I spend most of my time on there just looking at the pictures, like thinking of how I can model it. Oh, me too. See, I know that Meng makes that BMPT, and I always wanted mm -hmm. to make it, and I was actually about to buy it literally the day that Russian made, and I was like, ah, I can't do this now, but. I'm just hoping that someone in you know in the Ukrainian defense forces captures one, 
Right. Carp launch to make it. That, w- that one farmer. The the one farmer with the most devious like known to man. He's got he's getting the whole collection going. He's got a backwards deal with um mini art. They're gonna <laughs> Yeah, just imagine now how many dioramas are gonna be coming out of um Russian tanks being towed by uh, tractors. Oh, oh, oh yeah. there's gonna be so many. Or I... Russian tanks upside down falling off a bridge or something. Yeah. I'm willing to bet money because they're not like a lot of, you know, modern or even like nineteen seventies to modern era tractors and thirty fifth scale. Right. I guarantee you some company is going to come out with just like a generic tractor. It's getting sold out immediately. Yeah, it's gonna be all over. Just every uh page is gonna have one modern tractor diorama. It's gonna be the same one. You know that there's like representatives from you know flipping the fine molds. The guys from fine molds are just going out. They're taking pictures right now. They've got the Kevlar helmets on. They're just <laughs> sneaking in behind the Russian lines just to get some good reference photos to make the yes. kids back home. I mean, I'd Maybe. be disappointed if Mini Art doesn't start. I mean, after this is all over, they don't start producing kits from this with like you know specific markings. 100%. Oh, they they should totally do like piss-taking diorama sets where it's like, hey, this is a Ukrainian stealing Russian tank and, you know, the whole thing is just one kit set you can make just to... Well, it's like that uh, that diorama kit they've made of uh, Khan. It's got like a Panzer IV, uh, I think it's some kind of like a command vehicle, and it's actually like got the diorama base as well. They're, they're going to do that oh, same thing, yeah. but with like a T-90 attractor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's also going to be a lot more uh, knocked out modern Soviet tanks now, like right. dioramas. Well, you know what they say, T-72, international gold medalist in the turret throwing Olympics, seven years in a row. Seven years, baby. Got to keep that record going. We're totally going to go to hell for um, talking about this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a special place reserved for us right now. No, I have an even more touchy subject. (laughs) Oh, no. Ghost of Kiev. Is he real or not? Oh, he's real. I want to believe he's real. He is real. He is real. He's real real in my heart. Yes. There's going to be a lot of... There's going to be a lot of... um, Was he flying the SU-29? Yeah, MiG-29. MiG-29, that's right, yeah. There's going to be a lot of those modeled after that one now. Yep, Guaranteed. DN model works. Um, I think they've already released a one thirty second scale mask set for his aircraft. Oh, no, they don't wait. Oh. They don't miss a beat, do they? That was quick. Nope. And I think it's just like a generic MiG twenty nine, a digital camo with like it's just Ukrainian handles. I think that's like one of the versions it has. Digital camo scares me. I'm staying away from that. Well, I've said before, and I'll say it again. The only thing Russia has succeeded in doing in this war is creating an ace combat protagonist. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Nah. And people said dogfights were dead. Nah, man. Gotta get that thrust <laughs> nah. vectoring. Now, here's Wonder the ultimate tyrant idea. Go for Ghost it. of Kiev. It's like it's, uh, This is all in one to 700 scale, so you can make it work. Ghost of Kiev. Right. Okay. Knocking mm-hmm. out a Russian tank, which is then towed away by a tractor. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, just, um, 
just firing um, air to air missiles at it blindly. And then, so the crew just yeah. runs away, you know, just to try. Ah, uh, yes, it. the uh, typhoon method. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. Uh, scare them. The farmer is just on site waiting. They just follow the ghost of Kiev where he goes. <laughs> I think you can also guarantee there's going to be dioramas of, it's like, Russian tank outside fuel station out of gas. You know, just right. the headline. Yes. <laughs> run out of gas. I wonder if any... I doubt they will, but I wonder if any company will bring out like a decal sheet with the white Z. I don't think... Oh, I'd rather you reckon anyone it, would honestly. do that? I've got to be honest. It, I've never seen a properly painted white Z. Like, it yeah, looks like they just went <laughs> Probably. Although I do like that smart car with the white Z. Someone's got to do a diorama of that one. Yeah. I have a Tunguska that I will be painting. Knocked out with the white Z. Dang. Nice. That's going to look good. Tunguska, really? Oh. Yeah. Well, I have some good friends. Wasn't it like a bunch of just like Ukrainian civilians? They just found all these Tunguskas that ran out of fuel. So they just lit them all on fire. Yep. Oh, yeah. I saw that. Yep. And how, mu- how much are those tanks e- worth each? Oh, probably millions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something like 10 million a unit or something. Can't like, remember the exact number. You know the, the, the NATO. Where uh, the you know those NATO defense atta- you know, attaches who are trying to do like research into Russian tank design? They're just salivating right now. Oh yeah, it's like what back in the during the Hungarian Revolution in the fifties when they wanted to learn more about the T fifty five. So they literally just paid off some civilians. You know, the British intelligence just paid off some civilians to get like <laughs> the, the the tank, and they smuggled it out. And Smart I- move. And that influenced NATO yeah. tank design for like the next all until the end of the Soviet Union. Uh, war is bad, but yes, planes. War is. But planes is are rad. Controversial. Oh, yep. This changes everything. CF one hundred four. CF one hundred four makes a comeback as a ground pounder. Oh yeah, I probably carry what like two five hundred pounders. At least. Uh, actually, I remember seeing this. I've got this like book of photos on of the CF one hundred four. Hold on, I'm gonna see. If I can find it, but like basically, it was 104. Wah, wah. But like, it had all of its rockets on display, and hmm. someone in the RCAF thought, "Yeah, this thing is the A10. Don't even worry about it." <laughs> oh yeah, RAP the AN225. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's it's yeah. an A10. It's just an eight oh, times oh, faster. Yeah. Yeah. Blicker. Yeah. Uh, right now, the uh, Canadian government is getting like these things out of the air museums. They're resurrecting them just to ship them off to Ukraine. Honestly, so with all of the Russian vehicles just in really long columns, all you need is a B fifty two. Yeah, I get this. I mean, would it co- would it cost less than an A ten? Just to drop a bunch of bombs from high altitude and just leave. Well, I know right now they're using the uh, Bayraktar. Is that how you say it? It's, it's a Turkish word, but the Bayraktar uh, UAVs. And they're just like, what they're doing is they're taking out the vehicles at the very front and the very back of the column. Mm. And they're just, they're just leaving it. Oh, so like the German method. Yeah, literally. And like every so often they'll just go back, you know, knock another one out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just go back to their business. Just clowning on them. 
Yeah. This is such an unnecessary war, but at least you're getting a lot of interesting stories out of it. Yeah, that's something, I guess. They clearly just want to see us do a series on it. That, I don't think we're qualified for. Nah. Nah. We're going to have to wait like five (laughs) years. Yeah. Yeah, we can barely talk about a um, a heavy tank with like a lot of references, you know, competently. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about a lot of references. There's not really tank a lot. Encyclopedia does not qualify as a lot of references. <laughs> well, there's, no, no, no. Like. There's War Thunder. Yeah, yeah there's come War on. Thunder. There's Tank Encyclopedia, and of course, reliable Wikipedia. Yeah, of course. And don't forget the tank chat. Yeah, David oh, yeah. Fletcher. <laughs> David Fletcher, uh, the chieftain, and oh, what's the other guys? Um, Lindy Beige are like my top three favorite tank guys. Yeah, Lindy Beige is funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Squire, of course. Oh yeah, of course. You guys watch many modelers on YouTube, like we're all Plasmo, thinking pretty Night Shift. Night Shift. Pretty much uh-huh. the only thing I watch. Yeah, Night Shift, Plasmo. Yep. Shout out to all those guys. Yeah. yeah Night Shift, yeah. Plasmo, LPJ Models. There's, there's a guy, um, Boiler. Boiler Models? Is that, how you, okay, is that how you pronounce it? He does some really cool dioramas, like especially hmm. Star Wars ones. That's cool. Like you, like he uses yeah, filament man. and stuff like that for lasers. They, his ones are really good. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Smart. Oh, Harry Houdini Models. Even Andy's Hobby Headquarters. I just like watching him put this stuff together. Yeah. Oh, Andy's Hobby Yeah, his ones are good. I need to go meet him someday. He's only like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude, you have no hours. excuse not to. You went to... You, what was it? Connecticut for ArborCon? Yeah, which isn't even like a big show. It's just like a regional. <laughs> Must be nice. Nice. Yeah, you gotta oh, check fuck. out his... I haven't seen him in a while, but uh, he was working on... Like a old model car museum or something? Uh, I think it was like a tank factory. Actually, that he was oh, working. Yeah, on. the, the oh, tank. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and he broke it. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. It was oh, uh, no. one of the videos. I was what you watch it, and if you're watching chronological order, order, it's like he he's got it. He's showing it off, and then he's you know he's like this is what I've done, and then the very next one, yeah. So the big building snapped off and smashed into about thirty pieces. Oh, yeah. I need to go watch it now. <laughs> it, it's, I feel sorry for him, but at the same time, I did laugh a lot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. And now I know uh, Night Shift, he just uh, saw the Mark IV in half. As well, I right. almost cried seeing that. Yeah. That was painful. Yeah. Painful, but of course, um, his final results can be like 10 times better than anything we can do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No offense, guys. Nah, man. Oh, None yeah, taken. Total. I know my level. <laughs> yeah. See, all, all my stuff I make, I have a standing rule with everyone when they, you know, say you can what you can view it from one meter back, and that's as far close as you can get. You're just gonna have to put safety tape around okay. uh, your models if you ever go to a show. Right. Yeah. In a like an aquarium, put it upside down so nobody can get too close. There you go. I, I wish there were model shows I could go to in in Auckland. I'm trying to think. We haven't had any model shows in the Toronto area since 
Ooh, two years, well, more than two years ago now. Ooh. I haven't been to a show. Been to a, uh, in Peterborough, there was a uh, Toys and Games convention, and there were a bunch of guys selling their stashes. So I picked up some stuff then, but that doesn't happen in two years. And okay. that's the only uh, thing I've been to. All right, guys, stash what? report. What do we have in our stashes that we're going to be working on? Stash report. Uh, I got a TACOM Skoda PA2 um, armored car. So I'm excited to do that. Uh, of course, uh, an Enterprise uh, mm-hmm. with whichever funny photo edge kits I'm going to order for that when that comes time. Go all out. Uh, yeah, go all out. I've got three, uh, like, Opal Blitz trucks. Mm. Uh, I even a Phaeton, which, uh, that's just a Canadian kit only, I think. Uh, and a Bradley and Osman. I'm not really sure what else, but that's what I've got. These are uh, like listening to you guys talk about stashes. <laughs> I literally my- have oh. the two I mentioned before, and that's it. Hey, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah, that is a good thing. You know, it keeps you building your... Okay, my stash is probably like a good seven to like nine Panzer fours, two or three Panzer twos, um, a bunch of Tamiya armor, you know, one or two Chinese, a few Russian, and shout out to Wade Buff on Kitmaker for like graciously giving me half of his stash when he moved. He's awesome, and he I just hope to meet him to in September. He just shipped it to yeah. you, like without even like letting you know. He just had like all this yeah, stuff I show had... up. Yeah, Crazy. he said he was sending me one kit, and then these three huge twenty um twenty by twenty boxes showed up. Wait, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was I saw the photos of it. All right, um, in my stash, I'm on like Operation Stash Reduction right now. So, no, I haven't bought any new kits for a while. Um, shout out first of all to uh, Wade and Ezra because you, uh, when Ezra got like his big stash, you just said, "Hey, what do you want?" And I, I, me being a, a JGSDF nerd, said, "Hey, I like that Type ninety with the uh, mine roller." So I've got to me a Type ninety with the photo wedge. Uh, outside of that, I've got an A six Intruder one forty eight scale from Hobby Boss. The fuselage and landing gear are all built up on it, but other than that, it's just like haven't worked on it yet. I've got a uh, Hasegawa 148th scale F2, uh, which is like the Japanese F16, and I've also got some special decals from DXM in Hong Kong. Uh, I've got a, a 1 to 35th scale elephant from Tamiya that's basically sitting half built, as well um, a Panzer, uh, a Panther G. Which uh, at some point uh, Jack's going to pick that up, and Heck yes, yeah. And outside of that, yeah, you know, I'm just like taking this. I'm killing two birds and one stone by mixing this technical kit with a KV one kit, right? And yeah, hopefully this. Oh, what about your? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, your uh, modernized RAM. Oh, dude, that's on. Like, I've I've actually got most of it built up in terms of like the hull. The hole in the turret is nice. built up, and I've cut all the parts for the tracks off, but I'm not really mm. in the mood to work on the tracks. I think 
maybe my first like foray into like very serious resin printing will just be to like make yeah. I don't know, some sort of like side skirt I can put out put over the tracks, so I only have to do a few sure. of them. Yeah, I've also got a Leopard Two A Six M from Lobby Boss, Ooh. which is actually without any track runs right now because I pillaged its vinyl tracks to put on the Two A Four M. Yeah, that's my stash. Solid. You know, you guys have just inspired me. I've literally just bought another model just because I just I don't feel like I've got enough with me at the moment. Did you just so, buy one now? Yeah. While you were talking, I was just like, oh, fuck. I've been, look, been looking at one for ages, and it's, but it's a bit pricey, but I thought, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to get it. Man's on Hobby Link Japan. Yeah. Which, MMP, oh, you, oh, no. you and your scale modeling addiction since 2022. Okay, what'd you get then? You got you got, you got to tell us. Just yeah. bought the Tacom 135th. It's the Mark IV heavy tank, but it's the tadpole. Oh, yeah. oh, nice. Elongated with the uh, mortar on the back because, like, my go-to for a model is something weird, wonderful, bizarre, or just a bit not unknown, a bit unknown about it, and that one just fits it so well. So, literally, just bought that. Yeah, it's got the mortar on the back and everything. So, oh, I think that one oh, should be dang. turned into like a diorama. Does that yeah. have uh, one-piece workable tracks? Looks like it. Uh, it's got the. Um, yeah, it's got uh, clip-on workable tracks, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, so that one's... Imagine trying yeah, so to that turn that... Hopefully on its way. Don't night shift that. No, I'm not, not going to. I'm not that brave. I mean, I, I did... The most modificate, like damage I've ever done was on my uh, Jumbo, 76 Jumbo Sherman. And mm. that was just mm. following Nightshade, Night Shift's bloody um, impacts. On the uh, front hull, on the front hull, and stuff like that. That's that's as brave of a, as I've gotten so far. Not soaring it in half. Well, that looks like it's gonna be fun. Yeah, his shell impact videos are they're they're great because I remember when I started, I always wanted to see a video on how to do it, but there was never never any. I mean, he released them like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Honestly, like a lot of his tutorials are pretty life saving. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. yeah. My friends. Uh, <laughs> I got. So. I gotta say, like, when I did my first YouTube channel, which is uh, my first YouTube video, try to copy some, not like not copy Night Shift, but you know, try and have that sort of like a bit of a persona on it, and it did, sure. it just flopped so hard. It was just yeah. It my first three videos. I've only got five up there, and I want to delete the first three already. This is so bad. Still learning. Like voiceover for me is probably the worst. Trying to talk, mm. like, I can talk at someone, but I can't talk to myself. You just get uh, just sure. get a bit too self conscious of what I'm saying. Yeah. Like every, every like if you hear me talk, like say something, guaranteed that will be the sixth or seventh take on saying that. Yeah, I could never do. That's why these uh, podcasts are going to be great because it's just like one take. Don't even worry. Yeah, hundred percent natural. All natural. This is how our conversations sound like in real life, by the way. Right. Yeah. In real life. Giant quotes. <laughs> yes, Tadpole is officially bought in three days it should be here. Three days? Where are you getting awesome. it from? That's one good thing is like, at the moment, Postal in, in Auckland has just like upped its game because of COVID, so 
this one's not actually too i think it's like i don't know less than 70k away so this shop so that, oh, yeah oh, nice. yeah that, that's the thing is like yeah you can i can usually get something delivered within about two days but yeah it's just lack of actually anything to buy to be honest that's the main thing yeah yeah when covid started the mail was horrible like it took over a year and a half yet you got these two kits i ordered from korea yeah like during the start of covid i ordered well it was when things were taking just forever uh and i ordered from sunward hobbies in toronto and shout it out came to in sunward. two days and I... shout out to sunward they're amazing uh but it came in like two days and that was during the time when like you'd order something from like i don't know amazon and it would take like a week and a half two weeks and they just came in two days it was crazy hmm. yeah i remember right, right when this started uh that was when i actually like got into model making seriously because i was in quarantine yeah because I, I was actually yeah. in Arizona and i came back to canada so you've got two weeks so i tried to bang out the uh rye field m1a2 scp v3 Gave up on that, so I ordered uh, Tamiya King Tiger in Type 10. Took uh, it was like three months from it for it to get from Scarborough to uh, Oshawa. And for reference for the young people, it's like Scarborough is a, a forty-five minute drive away if you don't <laughs> take the highway. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's a good question. How did everyone else get into modeling? Model making. Um, Easy. I got in. Or thunder. Yeah, you go, Ezra. Um, I went to a museum in Arizona, and they had a scratch-built 172nd scale model of the USS Arizona. Oh, I was nice. like, oh my god, that's so cool. Like, I'm like, I want to do that. So I went to the gift shop and bought the really crappy Ravel like, 1720 scale Arizona. And built that. Like, this is fun. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, War Thunder, obviously. <laughs> and then I started watching like plasma videos on YouTube when I was up in the Yukon because in if you go to the Yukon, you either go on a walk or stay at home. There's not much stuff to do, especially when it gets colder. So um started watching some husband videos and that got inspired. So when I came back home, uh I picked up the B twenty five Jake Mitchell from Michaels. Hmm. Not a Michaels. And uh yeah, built it up and it didn't look that great. And I still have it, kind of. It's falling apart. But that's when I caught this disease that we all have. That's a pretty accurate way to describe it. I actually started when I was five. Which really? you wouldn't believe looking at the quality I make. I, yeah, my, my, I built my first one with my dad when I was five years old. Um, it was a Hawker Hurricane. And it's, I've still got it. It's actually mounted on the wall with uh, the rest of my, I call them the, the heritage 
collection. So it was between when I was, yeah, it was between when I was five and thirteen. I was building them with the help of my dad for like at least half of them until I got a bit older. But yeah, I was just like it was exclusively aircraft, and then I just stopped. You know, around thirteen when you hit high school, and you know people start taking the piss out of you for it. You know that whole sort of you know teenage assholery. Um, and it wasn't. I didn't actually get back into it until end of 2019. I was travel. I spent 2019 traveling. And for some reason, model uh, YouTubers started popping up on my feed, and I thought, mm. you know, I was over in countries. I was over in different yeah. parts of Europe and stuff, and I was just watching them. I thought, oh, I should really get back into it. So eventually, when I got home, because I ran out of money, um, yeah, I had a kit that I bought. It was the Airfix. 76 scale Cromwell and I bought that oh. years ago in a, for, in a sort of failed attempt when I was about 19 to restart it never got around to it and it's, so I'd been sitting there for years I thought oh screw it feel like building that and um, yeah kind of just snowballed uh, from there I get the double dose of um, high school assillery because not only do I build models but I also play golf which isn't which is considered such an easy sport. As right. the... Nah, man. We both, we all know that you don't actually go to school or sleep at the rate you build. Nah. Uh, I, no, I'll just be in. Um, I'll just be in an online class, and I'll be listening. I'm like, yeah, I can. I can do two things at once. So I'll pull out a, um, you know, just a over-engineered kit and just try to build some parts. Well, that's what I've been doing for the past year until I actually went back to school. Yeah, for me, for me, it like turned. Uh, the timing was was pretty good because started getting back into modeling, and then COVID hit in New Zealand. We ended up having to do a, f- a four week intensive lockdown where we couldn't even leave the house. So stocked up on about five oh, or six man. models. Yeah, so that was four weeks of stuck in the house. So building them, and then it was that was what we called level four, where you couldn't leave the house except for food shopping. You know, that sure. kind of thing. And then we spent yeah. three months at a lower level where I, because I couldn't go to work. I couldn't work at all because uh, I work on construction sites and stuff. So I couldn't work. Sure. So I had a lot of free time. So that's that's when I fully got like submerged into model making. And then, yeah. And then I've had another surge because originally I had a stash of like five or six rather large models that I was sitting there going, I'm not going to get round to the round these until like next year or something. And then it was mid last year, we ended up having to do a six or seven week level four lockdown, which mm. was not fun at all, but yeah. So let's just say I'm into modeling at the moment because it really kept my sanity at the same time. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know, I started building models probably when I was, oh, I think I started when I was around four, because my dad gave me this 1 to 72nd scale uh, CT-114 Tudor, which uh, is basically, if you are aware of the Canadian Air Force Snowbirds, which is like our aerobatic team, This the Tudor is this old uh, trainer jet from the 60s that they've just kept building. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got I saw that. Thought it was the coolest thing ever. Started building like airfix kits and painting them with uh, Crayola markers. As one nice, does. nice. Um, and I stopped. Played War Thunder for a bit. I think it was like mid high school. I was walking mm. on a snowstorm and I stopped into a hobby store because it was freezing my 
eyebrows off and yeah just realized hey they actually make like not just aircraft but tanks and first proper model i did was the avgp cougar i think every canadian model is like legally required to make one of those trumpeter kits at some point in their lives and oh yeah for multiple like dawn yeah shout out to can medic can medic we 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 appreciate you um yes yeah we just got to do a shout out (laughs) We're just gonna shout out like all all the guys from Kit Maker. Yeah, um, they're awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. But I've built like seven AVGP models. Um, each one progressively getting less and less historically accurate. And um, yeah, back in like 2019, um, well actually no, early 2020, I started working at the hobby store, and ever since then I've just been really into it, and that's what I do. Uh, that's yeah. a great job. It's a great job. Highly recommended. And you meet a lot of people. Like, uh, there was this one guy. Um, shout out, Brian. Uh, Brian, you're an awesome guy. If you ever watch this. Um, he made, he spent like the last three or so years working on this diorama of the Ontario Regiment in Italy. Probably in the yeah, 19th. Actually. Oh, yeah. Oh. I'll post oh. videos to the disc. Uh, not uh, videos, but photos later. But yeah, he's got like this. Oh. Uh, he's got like these. Uh, dragon commonwealth figures that he's just a savant with doing them and he's got the mm. Tamiya Sherman and he's scratch built all of these Italian buildings on both sides of the street oh cool oh, hey, that, that sounds good it, oh it, is that what you good. posted pictures of on the Instagram a while back uh yeah I posted like one picture of it oh no I, I posted yeah, it to the group the, chat yeah yeah to the group oh, chat yeah one? yeah yeah that's oh. beautiful uh, it's sad yeah, because like gorgeous. I couldn't actually do justice to, with it with like a phone camera. You had to be there in person. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you, it's nice because you got to like talk to customers and see what yeah. they're doing. Yeah, see, yeah. yeah, I know, right? We've gone for two hours. See, yeah. I'll say one last thing. You guys are lucky to have a hobby store so close to you. The closest two to me are like two and a half hours away at least. Oh, and and horribly overpriced so it turns um, out wade sending you a stash was actually like kind of a humanitarian thing yes <laughs> exactly yeah so wow. um they, they have a good stock at least well we did a podcast we did a podcast we our next it. episode will be on the tacoma narrows bridge disaster no no we can't say that we can't <laughs> say that that's like that's something like copyright infringement. We, we're gonna get like, <laughs> I know we're gonna canceled, and then the people from uh, Well, there's your problem. Are gonna just like kill us in our sleep. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. We can't compete with them. Nah. No. No. Share Liam, an audience. Yeah, Liam's gonna bomb me with a um, with a uh, technical. Yes. Yeah. Is this a technical? But yeah, we should like what what uh, our our next video should be on something. How about we uh, do like a show and tell podcast? Get your work in progress oh. photos out. Oh sure. Yeah. Okay. That means I'm gonna have yeah. to get. Wait. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to start something. Nah, man. <laughs> just just post the box or just salivate over that. Yeah. Post the box. Yeah. Actually, I do have a diorama that I've been working on for six months. So. Yeah. Awesome. Oh well, man, post yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully anyway. we can get. Um. Hopefully we can get Vale in the next episode. And he'll show his uh, awesome Battle of Berlin dio. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And uh, Chris, that one's looking sweet. He's doing his church, right? Yeah, yeah. We should have Ken Medic on here sometime. 
Yeah. Oh, we should have him on for the next episode. Just the show's finished up. Yeah. We're not even going to ask him. We're just going to force him into the chat. Yeah. Cool. I wonder if we could do this episode in two. Because one was like talking. One half was talking and one half was the T14. True. Yeah, we just went completely off the rails. Off yeah, it's gonna or, be no, or off the tracks. Like the uh, oh, I, I, I what you said. Well, you know, I can also just like make timestamps. So like, you know, hey, if you want to skip the talking, just you know, watch right. this timestamp, and then if you want to include the talking, or just have the talking, and not us. Just, How's like, all your rambling? Yeah, rambling. How's all of your internet? Because there's no way I'd be able to. Upload this. That's okay. I've got like either that and all that. I can upload it. Oh, great. Okay. Benefits Thanks. of having a computer science guy. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I'm surprised how smoothly this went. Yeah, this I went really well. We probably didn't offend too many people. Um. Yeah. No, I think I think. Yeah, we, you. We approached it pretty reasonably. Yeah, you might have to bleep this out, but if you're a. Uh, an evil Russian. You can have you know, a nice time. You can have a yeah, nice yeah, time. Yeah. Right, we yeah, have a nice friendly. time. We will not jump in a uh, Leo 2A6M and go over there. Hot take, the 2A6M is actually a better tank than the 2A7. I will fight, I will die on this cell. True. You can fight me. You can fight me. I will fight you. Come on. Take it outside. I mean, cold outside. This Just true. put a. Uh, oh, it's Not beautiful outside for me. It's a cloudless day. You know, it's probably a good seventy-eight degrees. Uh, yeah, I was golfing before I got on here. I mean, Jack, right now it's uh, one degree and we have a wind warning. So, I mean, take what you can get. No, oh yeah, it's gonna be like sixteen tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah. Climate change. It's real. Yes. It is a thing. Cool. Uh, cool. Anybody yeah. that you'd like to uh, shout out or promote before I uh, pull the plug? Yeah. Um, go sign up for Kitmaker Network. It's awesome. Um, Jim does a great job of running it. Thanks, and Jim. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Thank you. And I guess follow all of our Instagrams. I'll put them in the description. Uh, yeah. yeah. You can follow my YouTube if you're really desperate to watch someone fail. I know, you're great. Yeah, he, you're defiant. Stuff. Yeah. Um, Autoloader, I, I normally wouldn't plug my business, but Autoloader Decals is currently doing a bit of a charitable thing. Um, I am selling water slide uh, decal sets with the Ukrainian flag and coat of arms and a whole bunch of like different sizes. Including, you could put them on as like nationality patches on thirty-fifth scale figures or on uh, tanks. But all of the proceeds, including the uh, cost of the shipping, is actually being sent to the uh, Ukrainian Humanitarian Appeal, which is being run by the Ukrainian awesome. Canadian Congress. Um, awesome. It funds stuff like you know shelters for uh, the refugees in Poland. It is funding uh, food, water, medical supplies as well. It also is, I think, some of the money going to sort of like a big fund for the families of Ukrainian veterans. Um, mm. That's on Kitmaker. If you're interested, uh, just look it up on the uh, buy and sell 
for him. Um, yeah. Oh, actually, you know what you could do? You could also probably um, add some Ukrainian roundels to that, so you could make the Ghost of Kiev's MiG-29. I was actually thinking about oh, that, and, I, yeah. and originally I had all the Ukrainian tank insignia, but then I thought, Ugh, it's kind of dicey that like I'm selling this for a Ukrainian like, humanitarian. True. Yeah. I will, if, oh, if people do want, I would definitely be willing to like still do that and then just like send the money at all the same. I mean, I thought his aircraft was only the roundels and the coat of arms. Uh, probably. I mean, from what I saw, I don't know. Well, that's what's going on right now. If it's successful, I'll do like whatever people want as far as Ukrainian related. Right. But yeah. Uh, nice. Cool. Wait. Yeah. This was a podcast. We did it. Uh, hey, we did it. The podcast. Maybe. Yeah. You want to try doing this next week? Sure. Yeah. Maybe. Sure. Yeah. Yo. Sure. Always down. Alrighty. All right. Bye, How everybody. do we close it? Do we? Yeah. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.